<laughs> Live, more or less, from Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know how we do this. <laughs> With Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rose, and this is Good Sports. Well, we're looking at the map. I can see the map behind you, man. That's, where's Guiana? I'm there. They're bound, they're bound to produce something sports-wise sooner or later. Just, just yeah, by, by yeah. sure numbers. Yeah, by, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a bobsledding team or something. Well, long distance runners. There's several of them. They making their way up all the way up to uh, uh, to to Southern California and yes, and yes, Southern Texas and Southern New Mexico and Southern Arizona and Southern whatever. You know, that wall climbing. If, if Trump gets elected, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be the new Olympic sport: wall climbing or tunneling. Hey, you know, the 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 drug lord escaped the prison because they made a mile long tunnel. Okay, you know when the when when the Chinese built the Great Wall of China, there was no real dig under the damn thing. Now I think things have changed a little bit. So, anyway, um, wall climbing, yeah, that's coming. <laughs> Just ask the poll. Uh, okay, uh, sad day in sports, but a great day in heaven, I'm sure. Uh, Yogi Berra, he of the ten. World Series championships with the Yankees in 18 seasons. Keep in mind, that is when a championship er, better than every other year. You know, when there's 30 teams or 24 teams at the time and and you win one every other year, think of how many careers are now doomed to never getting to win a World Series championship because Yogi Berra and his Yankees teammates won 10 in 18 years of playing and Yogi Berra Passing away, you know, he took the Mets to the World Series. Uh, he was a he was with the Yankees, and Steinbrenner uh, fired him after like 18 games of a season. Yogi said he'd never go back. He got the shit end of the stick, and he didn't like it. And uh, finally, he relented. They had a Yogi Berra day, and they they kind of kissed and made up a little bit. But I think he knew Steinbrenner was was dying, and uh, Yogi went back. And always uh, always a real treat. One of the most gifted catchers, and if you've ever played the catcher position, uh, one of the most gifted players ever, 5'8", the kind of the perfect size for a catcher. Not now. Uh, guys run into – well, now they don't run into him anymore, so you could be a you could be a, a Q-tip back there now as long as you can catch the ball. Uh, but Yogi was a master at, at calling uh, pitches for his pitchers. He, he's the guy that was behind the plate when Don Larson pitched the perfect game in the 56 World Series, and uh, um, jumped into Don Larson's arms, one of, one of the greatest videos, and I, I guess they made a still of the same thing. He runs around the, he runs around the first base side of the batter for the last, uh, last strikeout uh, of the perfect game and jumps into Don Larson's arms, and Larson was just kind of walking up. Oh, look, I got this little Italian cat from St. Louis in my arms. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, Yogi Berra and uh, Joe Gargiola uh, were, were buddies, we're both from St. Louis, and uh, the Cardinals took uh, Joe Garagiola over over uh, Yogi Berra, and, uh, and not to take anything away from Joe Garagiola, another hell of a ball player. And imagine that! Imagine these guys being being buddies uh, during the day. But uh, anyway, uh, the Yankees ended up with Yogi Berra. One of the scouts saw him at a, at a camp where he was cut by the Cardinals. And uh, they went ahead and signed him, and 10 World Series victories later, Yogi Berra, one of the greatest uh, 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 baseball players. I think he was a three-time MVP, and um, certainly a tough deal to do, uh, catching that many games and and, and doing all that. And the mental, people don't understand, you know, a second baseman thinks, okay, this guy hit it to me last time, or to the the center, or, or, or whatever, that's what he's thinking. Every single pitch, the, the the catcher is in on this. Every single thing sets up that next move. If a guy swings and misses at a particular pitch, then that tells what the next pitch should be. And a guy that can do that successfully it has so much energy into it mentally. And Yogi Bear was an absolute master at calling games. He, uh, you know, he had Whitey Ford, he had Mel Stottlemyre, he had all these Yankees great pitchers, and. He did it, and, and uh, you know, he rarely he, – he improved his fielding. Uh, it was a real it was a real mark on – bad black mark on his career early on. And uh, he improved to be – to lead – I think he won a couple of gold gloves at catcher. 
and uh, really cut down his uh, his uh, errors and also uh, improved his throwing percentage of guys trying to steal on him. So Yogi Berra was the complete package and certainly known for his for being as funny as, as, as funny gets and not necessarily always on purpose, but they call him Yogi-isms and, you know, it ain't over till it's over. And uh, it gets dark early out here, and and all those kind of things. Those are all those are all things that Yogi says, and said he swears the, that he did not say them on purpose. It just came <laughs> out that way that they were they were funny. So, uh, anyway, uh, our thoughts and prayers to Yogi's family and and all his fans. And I I, mean, I think it's great. Guy was ninety years old and still has baseball fans. Still has people yeah. kids uh, that that never saw him play except on uh, YouTube or something like that. Now, uh, uh, you know, they'll, it's not that they ever get to see him again. And by the way, uh, I, I think it was yesterday, Gordy Howe, who was everybody had him with a toe tag on six months ago, eight months ago, uh, visited the Red Wings. Mr. Hockey visited the Red Wings uh, training camp and went through and, and went through and shook hands with uh, with all the players and whatever. And uh, he had gone to he had a stroke and uh, his uh, his son said that, uh, you know, things were looking good for Mr. Hockey. And they sent him to Mexico and he had two stem cell treatments, Mark. And uh, certainly enough improvement where the guys walking through the training facility went to his granddaughter's wedding. So uh, maybe there is tremendous hope uh, with the with the stem cells and, and that for degenerative diseases, some of which very much mirror what you see the damages from uh, with concussions, whether it's football players or bull riders uh, or or or. Uh, hockey players or baseball players that might get hit or, you know, there, there's so many people that have that helmet on there for a reason, because if you don't protect the head, it doesn't really matter what happens to, to, to anything else there. So, uh, 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 but, but anyway, uh, Mr. Hockey up and around, and that certainly is a good sight, but he and, he and Yogi Berra to, uh, to pretty much contemporaries, they played very, very similar kind of games. They play, you knew, you knew that was a tough little SOB there. And unless you had a real good reason, you would go mess with somebody else. You did not, you know, you didn't necessarily challenge Yogi Bear. I mean, he wasn't in a lot of fights just because people were smart enough to say, nope, not going to do that. <laughs> I think I'll go slap around Elston Howard. He's sitting over there on the bench waiting for Yogi's career to be over. And, you know, it's, it's got to be a fun ordeal. So anyway, uh, Yogi Bear dead at 90 years of age, uh, shortly after his wife passed away, uh, 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 in, in 2014. And it doesn't surprise a lot of people that he passed shortly thereafter, but, uh, uh, 90 years. uh again, 90 years, 90 years. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, uh, we want to, uh, I, I do, uh, have a moment of, of reflection here. Uh, a dear friend, uh, my neighbor across the street passed away this last week. And, uh, he was a guy who as interesting as it gets, if you uh, talking to him, he was a cop out of, out of Florida, uh, he served in the military. He was in the Navy. And before they had frogmen that were called frogmen or Navy SEALs or whatever, he was a guy that could swim well because he was from Florida and uh, used to the used to be in the water. And uh, they put him on a detail where when Alan Shepard, America's first astronaut, uh, went into space and came back down, they splashed down in the ocean and they dropped three guys into the ocean to put, put a uh, a flotation device around it, a big uh, 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 floaty, and uh, uh, attach it to the space capsule so it wouldn't sink. And he was one of those three. He was he was wow. one of the first three people to see Alan Shepard as he returned to Earth, America's first spaceman. He That's was cool. also uh, he was also in Cuba during the revolution, and uh, and and fought alongside and got out to not too long before the Bay of Pigs invasion. And uh, some of the things that, that that he has seen and done, and his name was Dan Alred, and we're going to miss him, and he passed away of, of cancer uh, uh, last week. So, uh, again, thoughts and prayers out to him. And it's uh, one of the tough things. Everybody wants to get old. You know, that fountain of youth, that comes with the price, and that price is outliving people that you like. So, yeah. um, anyway, people that you don't like. You never, you never seem to outlive them by long enough. Uh, uh, Cam Chancellor uh, finally returning to the Seahawks. He of the Legion of Doom, uh, the self-proclaimed winners of one, losers of one. And, you know, they, they're going to blame the, the last loss in the Super Bowl to Pete Carroll in the ridiculous call down on the one-yard line uh, to pass instead of hand the ball to the sure thing, Marshawn Lynch, or the damn near sure thing. Uh, but... Uh, Chancellor back. You know, if you're if you're going to bitch about losing on the last play of the game, what about the play in the second quarter when you could have done something and didn't, and then it didn't work out, or you should have scored and didn't. You know, so uh, if it comes down to the last play of the game, you probably have many many other places in that game 
that you could have done something different to make it not come down to the last play of the game and already seal the victory. So, uh, but Cam Chancellor uh, held out, had a, had a valid contract mark, held out. Uh, two games in, the the Seahawks are zero and two, and then now he comes in and he thinks he's going to ride in on, on the white horse and be the be the cavalry. And I, uh, you know, as if I was his teammate, the first chance first chance I got to step on his foot, I would, or to or to put put icy hot in his jock strap, or to piss in his Gatorade bottle, or or all three every chance I got. That's not, you know, a teammate doesn't let you go through training camp alone and then come in two weeks into the two losses into the season. Oh, I'm here. Hi, guys. You know, yeah. yeah. Screw you. Yeah. You know, but I'd pay for somebody to go by his house and kiss his wife. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> All things considered. So, uh, so, 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 if that happens, or are you going to be like moving, or what? <laughs> if what happens, <laughs> somebody goes by buys his house, and you know. Kisses anyway. his wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think he's this guy's got to be used to it by now. Yeah. Uh, what a you know, I mean, he's a schmuck. Uh, anyway, Cam Chancellor going back to the Seahawks okay. had a valid contract. They just renegotiated his contract, Mark. And um, you know, you can't do it for if you do it for him, then you got to do it for everybody. It's like it's like yeah. when you're a parent. You know, the GMs don't. Everybody's making money. <laughs> the freaking Cowboys are worth four billion. B billion dollars jerry jones bought them i believe it, the price was 60 million bucks and he got the stadium too and now they're worth four billion b billion he could damn near run for president <laughs> you know uh but, but, but before, uh, we get, before we get too far along here okay okay we we're talking about no not not yet but i'm okay. figuring you've got to have a moses malone story Moses Malone came out of high school at the same he time died. as two other two other young men, and Daryl Dawkins, uh, Chocolate Thunder, was the second uh, of that. Uh, Daryl Dawkins went to the NBA because Moses Malone went to the ABA, and Moses Malone was drafted by the Utah Stars, and uh, they had they had a guy my age playing, and he boy, what a hell of a player! He'd been a hell of an NBA player in the fifties and the sixties, and his name was Zelmo Beatty, and. Uh, Moses Malone got drafted by the Utah Stars and went straight out of high school into into the pro basketball and tore it up. Moses Malone was from somewhere small in Virginia, and uh, the man could play basketball. He uh, he went to Philadelphia, won the championship there with uh, Dr. J, and uh, then Charles Barkley came along. And if you look at Charles Barkley and Moses Malone together, there wasn't a rebound. Yeah, and and Barkley absolutely just idolized him and, and looked up and played very much like Moses. Man, when Moses Malone was close to the ball, you might as well have turned around and gone the other direction or jump straight up if it was on the offensive boards because good things were going to happen. Moses Malone was an absolute winner, and him him and Daryl Dawkins dined within a month, six weeks of each other. Uh, the two guys that came out from high school and – uh, Spencer Haywood had gone from Trinidad State Junior College into the pros with, with the Denver Rockets, and that was the first break in that where guys had no did, didn't graduate from college or, or or stayed out until their class graduated, which is what happened with uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, he couldn't join the NBA until his college class graduated. And these guys said, no, we're going to go in. I'm, I'm not big on college. And Spencer Haywood went from Trinidad State Junior College to the Denver Rockets and really opened the opened the floodgates on the dam. And then Moses Malone, Daryl Dawkins, and the third guy. And this is always the answer to a trivia question that nobody ever gets, Mark. Do you have any idea who the third man was that came out of uh, straight out of high school in the same year as two Hall of Famers, Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins? Uh, and they were thought of in very, very equal terms, all three of them. Uh, they were kind of unknown quantities. People didn't go to a lot of high school games or whatever. You know, you had to rely on somebody else's opinion, a college staff's yeah. opinion or whatever to get to get a read on these guys. But very highly thought of, too. And the third and the only one that survives, and they all three came out at the same time. Do you know who it is? No. Kid from Northern California, his name was Bill Willoughby. And his name, his name Poodles. Bill Poodles Willoughby. And uh, and he never did much. He, uh, you know, as as a lot of big guys do, he had some foot problems and, and and some of those kind of things. And 
kind of ran out of talent once he got to the NBA. Certainly wasn't ready for an NBA career, not near like Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins were. So, yeah, oh. a couple of, you know, I mean, some changes that, again, both guys dying in there. I think they were both 60 years old, uh, Daryl Dawkins and Moses Malone. And, I mean, two huge presences on the court. But uh, for basketball also, I mean, Daryl Dawkins was about as entertaining an athlete as ever there was. Uh, you know, uh, Chocolate Thunder, and he's the guy that used to break the backboards and and get out of the way and would delay the game for forty five minutes, and he'd sit he'd sit over on the on on the, on the bench and eat popcorn and you know maybe have a hot dog or something, and then go back and once they got the glass replaced on the on the backboard, he would go back and play the rest of the game. Um, damn his mom Sue with the Dolphins, by the way. Speaking of clowns. Uh, a guy I don't think uh, deserves to be in the NFL as it as it goes now. He's the highest played, paid defender, the Miami Dolphins, but uh, a, a, a really white elephant from the Lions. And uh, and uh, Damakong Su uh, has a grand total of two two tackles so far this year. The highest paid defensive player in the NFL, higher paid than J.J. Watt. <laughs> higher paid than everybody. Higher, higher yeah, that's it. Some teams, some teams in the NFL do not have the salary on their defensive line and their linebacking core all together equal what Damakong Su gets from the from the Dolphins per year. And uh, he's certainly not living up to his mouth and his attitude and his hype. And yeah, but, uh, I think the sooner this guy's out of the league, the better the league will be. Go ahead. Yeah, but but. But how do you how do you get to be the highest paid guy and have two tackles? You know, you have I mean, a good agent. <laughs> it's all bullcrap. He was he was in a great system at Detroit. Listen, he started. You know, Detroit has always been a, in the black and blue division. They're 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 proud members of that, and they they play a different brand of football in Detroit than they do in Miami. And they, they 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 do things, and and so they build their team to those specs. That's that's the 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 frame that they bring in for the car they're driving in that race. And it's a different it's a different vehicle. They went to kind of a sports car thing in in Miami, and they were trying to get tougher. So they brought this guy in, who's a cheap shot chicken shit. And I, you know, honestly, I I do not see how he has not had a serious knee injury from somebody who's tired. You know stomping on somebody's head or accidentally kicking a guy in the face or accidentally stepping on somebody's hand or accident, you know, uh, enough, man. You're out there. You're a pro too. These other guys are getting paid and they have families and they have kids and they have, you know, whatever. And when you have somebody's career in your hands and you cheap shot it, you hit them clean, you hit them clean. It breaks their neck. It breaks their neck. That's, that's part of the terror. You know, that just comes with yeah. it. But when somebody does something that's, if, I guess you call it unsportsmanlike. You know, I think chicken shit is a much better apt description <laughs> of it. And and he, he gets away with it. You know, he's been suspended and whatever. But nonetheless, none of that added up to anything other than making him the highest paid player defensively wow. in, in the NFL. And wow. uh, I don't I don't think it's good for the NFL. And I don't know what they're going to do about it. And I think they would be if if the guy had a a career-ending injury. I don't think a whole lot of people in the NFL would really you know be all that concerned, including maybe the Dolphins, who now realize what did we buy? Now we can't get who we can't have an offensive line because we have Damakong Sue. You know, you could have put a you could have put a hungry immigrant in there and said go. They, Get this guy's trip somebody, and you would get two tackles in a game. And when you're on the defensive line, there's enough there's enough people right in front of you that every once in a while somebody has the ball. You just reach out and take a hold of them, and you you know that's how you make a tackle. It doesn't mean you got in the backfield or did anything that you're supposed to do. So, um, speaking of that, Jason Pierre-Paul, man, did you find any what's left of his hand? I thought he blew off his index finger. He blew off this half, this part of his hand. His thumb is a nub. His index finger is gone, and his and his middle finger is is mangled. So, uh, they, you know, they and the guy was so close to signing a contract. Mark didn't sign it. They had the offer on the table, 
Then on the 4th of July, he said, oh, this one didn't go off. Oh, oh yeah, it did. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was a, you know, honest to God, I've held fireworks in my hand. It happened to go off in the guy's hand. It's not, you know, he wasn't driving drunk. He wasn't shooting drugs. He wasn't, yeah, son of a bitch. The thing went off in his hand and blew off half his hand. And he hadn't signed the offer or the Giants would be on the hook. And now he's working out and he has a towel draped over his hand. I mean, he's he's lifting weights. And he's doing like this on the weights. And there's uh, the pictures are already really, you know, he's doing like this. That's how, that's how his hands look. And, uh, you know, and, and so, but the pictures are already out of his hand. If you go online, you can see them, and it's not a happy thing. And I, and the Giants, who could very well be 2-0, and are 0-2, and are hurting for a pass rush. And there's Jason Pierre-Paul with half a hand, you know. So, I don't know what's going on there. The Dallas Cowboys are beat the hell up. If you're a Cowboys fan, you you best be buying candles and rubbing rosaries because, Romo's out. Des Bryant's out. Everybody's beat up. DeMarco Murray's in Philadelphia. So you got you. I mean, maybe Emmett Smith will come back and Troy Aikman can, can still chuck the ball a little bit because that that that's their really only hope for these next few games. Uh, I, I just don't see it, man. And boy, if ever there was something I'd bet on, it's it's the Dallas Cowboys not being very uh, capable offensively. So, you know, anytime I'm looking at the at a game total, I'm saying the Cowboys are in it, I'm just going to take the under and take my chances because I don't see – I think if they had somebody, you know, close to Tony Romo or, 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 or Des Bryant to step in, you would have already heard about them. And we, and we didn't – I haven't seen them. So um, on to something happier, I suppose. I don't know, happier. You know, all we talk about is half the stuff we talk about, but is is police issues. We're going to talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about the Pro Bowl riders and JB Mooney. Oh, Vieira. JB Mooney has moved into first place, even though he is way behind money winnings wise, because uh, uh, Vieira had won the two big. NASCAR has. I mean, the, the PBR. It's easy to get it mixed up. Same same crowd. Uh, the Pro Bowl riders have. For majors, much like golf has the Masters and, and the British Open and the U.S. Open and the PGA, um, they have uh, things that pay big extra points and extra money, and Vieira won them both. And so he's way ahead money-wise. I think he's more than a quarter of a million dollars ahead of J.B. Mooney. But J.B. Mooney moved up a, enough in the points to be in first place. So last time out, you know, the, they get to draft the, the Bulls now. It used to be totally by chance, and, and uh, somebody always thought there was a chance of manipulation there. So now they said, screw the manipulation. Where you are tells what bull you, you, you get to draft, and the guy at the end of the line doesn't have many choices. But he's got a few, and, you know, they're all good Bulls. And uh, J.B. Mooney took airtime. J.B. Oh. Mooney's in the hunt for a championship. And he and he drafted airtime. He had the first pick overall, and he drafted airtime. I, I, and airtime down him under. Airtime air, air airtime knocked him around. And but you know that's what a championship's all about. JB Mooney is not just about winning the championship. He is about beating the Bulls. He is about winning every last thing he can win. And and I think that's what I love so much about the guy is his just pure competitiveness. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, you know, when we're at the PBR World Finals and we get to talk talk to these guys, and you know, and I remember, I think it was two 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 or three years ago, uh, JB, of course, was was in you know was in the top, and he was beat up, yeah. and someone asked him why he, I I think he had picked Yellow Jacket, at, at Little at, Yellow Jacket. And, you know, and somebody was going, why? You know, I mean. Bushwhacker. Yeah. That's what it was. Bushwhacker. And I love JB's answer. You don't win championships on the easy bulls. Yeah. Either, either yeah, I'm going to get a. Yeah. You know, either I'm going to get a 90 point ride or I'm going yeah. home. That's it. Oh. You know, look at bulls I mean, he has ridden. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, you just sit there and you look at him going, damn. <laughs> yeah, and he's always beat up. You know, and Shane Proctor is in the hunt, and I think uh, uh, JB is married to uh, Shane's sister. Yes. And they, they are 
you know, and that's always cool to have a family. Somebody's got your back, but you know, all the Cowboys have each other's backs. By the way, we're going to give a shout out to our friend, Leah Garcia. She is one of, if not the finest, not only female sideline type reporters who does such a tremendous job with the Pro Bowl writers. She is one of the finest. I don't care how many or what type of the chromosomes. Leah Garcia is the epitome of professionalism and is the really the, the face and body and, and everything that's good about the Pro Bowl writers. Leah Garcia is, and I've never seen a, a contemporary in broadcasting work as hard as Leah works and do as good a job. And we can go all year long without ever mentioning her. And if you, because we're there live, you don't really see Leah working and you see her up on top of the shot here and then down, but you know, uh, but, but when you watch the broadcast and you see the job she does and the, I mean, she's like, she's like uh, Chris Angel. Uh, now you see her and now, now, wait, how'd you get way yeah. the hell over there? Two minutes ago, you were right here. And um, she does a great job. She's incredibly knowledgeable. And, uh, and uh, they had well, a, funny. she, if you follow Leah, you should follow Leah on Facebook. Yeah. Because she goes some incredible places. They they were doing like breakfast in Greece and lunch in Turkey and they, they did something this summer. It was awesome. Well it was funny because you know, you speak to speak about her because she is a woman and she's in a predominantly male sport, although although there's a couple of women that are in Yeah. Uh-oh, we freeze-framed. I mean, you watch the women in, report on football, and they're you know, and they basically on on the sideline, and they got one spot. But, yeah. but you're right. When, you, you know, when you're media and you're in that mode and you're watching this woman, she's like a, like a mouse, mouse in a maze, you know. I mean, she, she will crawl through all the little holes to get to, to who she wants to talk to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I have seen her <laughs> damn near go up into the rafters to yeah. come down to get that. And energy. she gets up close and personal. And you know what? These rough, tough cowboys, they all respect her. The Brazilian contingent loves her. The the the, the group of Americans just, you know, I, I don't think anybody's ever got a bad word to say about Leah. And, and that's a, that's as it should be. She is, she is a true professional. And uh, again, it's always cool to to get a chance to mention Leo. You know the Pro Bowl Riders are coming here in October. Yep. The World Finals for the last time. Very very sad about that. The last time with Thomas and Mac um, this year. And uh, boy, the imagine the bull rides. Imagine the bulls that have been on the floor at the Thomas and Mac, including uh, through the through the PRCA uh, World Finals. Mark that have been out here since what eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when they came out and. You know, I saw bodacious buck there, and you you look at the bulls that have, that have been there inside that arena. I don't know if you know it's it's almost like tearing down the Indianapolis Speedway. Okay, we're going to build another better one somewhere else. Okay, but it ain't going to be the same. It just ain't going to be the same. You, you got the Thomas and Mac, and then you got everything else. You know, and I think one of the cool things for for people is it's not connected to a damn casino. Yes. And casinos, I, I like casinos. I go into them and, and blah, blah, blah. But but there's just something special when it's not ching, 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 you know. And it's time. Everybody give us your money. And they keep keep on walking and, you know, try try to keep down what you eat at the buffet and, and you know, and, and go on about your business. And it, I think it was always cool to have it someplace that wasn't, a, wasn't absolutely connected to a casino. Even though it was sponsored by the casino, you know, the Mandalay Bay folks. Um Man, I, I had the greatest time, and, uh, you know, Scott Bowler and Peggy, uh, what, what, what a tremendous group it was to work with there. Uh, and, and when they had the Pro, Pro Bowl riders did half at the start of the Mandalay Bay and then went to the Thomas and Mac for the second half, you know, it was cool. It was, it was almost like the, the playoffs in that you had two, two different arenas. They, they, they were totally, they were uh, configured totally different. Uh, at the Mandalay Bay, the, the shoots were just on one end. And the shark tank was there in the middle, and so the, the bulls kind of had a had a tunnel to run down. And at the at the Thomas and Mac, it's a pretty short little little distance when they cut the thing in half, you know, right there right there at half court. So you kind of get to stand there with with Tark's ghost and then take pictures of the bulls. I think he I think Tark had been a hell of a bull rider. He was a, he was so bulldog tenacious, you know. Um, 
Okay, back to the police blotter. Patrick Kane of the Blackhawks was charged <laughs> with break. sexual assault. Here, oh, we're gonna let's uh, let's yeah. What a, here we go, folks. Uh, right before we get to the police blotter, because it's such a big thing. Good sports. We'll come back with NCIS Sports. Uh, so <laughs> with Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rose, and this is Good Sports, and we'll be back after these brief commercial messages. And we're back. There we go. And we're back. Where are we okay. ever going? The police blotter. <laughs> what is this week's police blotter? This is like a, is like a special caught, section every week. Me okay. to go to the potty, but now I'm <laughs> Okay. I just do, uh, wet cleanup aisle five. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, Patrick Kane, formerly of the Blackhawks, the star of the, of the, of the Blackhawks' uh, last two Stanley Cup titles, all of a sudden gets traded to the Buffalo Sabres. He's charged with sexual assault, rape of a cheerleader, and I don't, I don't believe it was a Blackhawks cheerleader. But anyway, uh, the, the lady is known. Her name, and we're not going to say it here, is available in her story and whatever. Yesterday, the rape kit was found on her mother's doorstep between the, the screen door and the, and the door, opened and empty. Now, they've already done the testing on the rape kit. I don't know what the ramifications are criminally for that. But uh, at least in Patrick Kane's, uh, uh, for his sake, no DNA in that rape kit belonged to him. The only thing that came from him was under the supposed victim's fingernails and on her shoulder. And it said it could have come from casual contact. Now, I don't know what, I mean, when I think when we think of DNA, we're thinking, oops, sorry, honey, God, you know, but I mean, I, I don't know what other DNA, maybe the guy spit on his hand or sneezed and then rubbed, wiped it off on her shoulder and she scratched it off. But other than that, I, I'm pretty much there, sure they're talking about something left over after some type of sex act. None of his stuff was found below her waist. Okay, um, now now we're gonna you know we're gonna split hairs here and and whatever. But two other gentlemen's DNA were found in her vaginal area. So, mm. uh, I mean, if you look back, if you just go back and read the kind of stuff about uh, Kobe Bryant and and what happened with him in Colorado up up near Vale, um, very similar. Circumstances and a lot of people think this is a money grab, and I don't know. I haven't heard all the evidence or seen all the evidence. All I know is it, that's got to be a hell of a strange circumstance for a rape kit in such a high-profile case to come up missing and tampered with. First of all, you're a moron if you're the one that did that because your career is over, and somebody's going to find out who had that chain of custody. And there's cameras and, and all those kind of things. So somebody is going to lose their job, if not go to jail, for this tampering of, with, with the evidence. I think if it was damning to Patrick Kane, it would have been wor- worked on before. Because it's more damaging to, the, to the, the alleged victim rather than Patrick Kane. Now you say, who has, who has the, the motive to release this and, and uh, to, leave an empty, to leave it empty? On the victim's mom's doorstep. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a very very bizarre thing, Mark. But again, now Patrick Kane's with the Buffalo Sabers, and you know this is this is a guy who's got two Stanley Cups right there on his on his mantle. He's got two of the little ones that said we want it, you know, and his his name is on the big one. So anyhow. Um, I guess that's it for the police blotter, other than the usual, you know, morons. Um, I, baseball, I, Mark, is, I, is winding I down. always come back. I always come back to Oscar. <laughs> I always come back to Oscar. Don't we all? What he said about what? the 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 NFL. You know, you know, if they're not in jail in a, in, a, in the off season, they're here in Las Vegas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know the difference between the guys in the NFL that end up in, in, in trouble with the law and the rest of them? Most what? of the rest of them didn't get caught. <laughs> you know, they don't just catch the 
one Detroit Lion or the one Miami Dolphin or the one Patriot or the one Raider or the one, you know what I mean? They happen to catch one, not the one. There is a big, big difference. And, you know, so I think it's I think it's very hypocritical to look at him and say, well, this guy's a criminal, you know, and look at the rest of them. They're all, you know, they're all straight as, as can be. No, yeah. you know, they celebrate. After the, speaking of celebration, the Pittsburgh Pirates were at the Colorado Rockies and clinched a playoff berth. They will either be the wild card team or will actually win the uh, uh, the central uh, in the in the National League. But they uh, they were on the road. And clinched the the playoff spot, and the Rockies provided champagne and and put a they had a hat there that said playoffs and and and, and with the Pirates on there and made the the champagne glasses in the form of the Pirates logo and provided champagne in the visitors clubhouse and for his nonsense a half-assed baseball organization that the Rockies are. They got this one about as right as you can get it. That's about as sportsmanship. That's about as sporting a thing as you can as you can really have, Mark. Yes. Is to you know uh, uh, do the do do the right thing when it comes to an opponent, and and, and uh, maybe it's give the devil his due or, or or whatever it is. But I do congratulate not only the Pirates for clinching a playoff spot, but for the Rockies in in, in just saying, okay, you know it's. We're all in the same boat, and hopefully someday it'll be us. Although the Rockies have already played in a World Series, yes, they have. <laughs> they're they're one of two teams in the last couple hundred years to get beat by the Red Sox, so uh, <laughs> in, in the World Series. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. The Twinkies yeah. are, Twinkies? are very yeah. near a wild. <laughs> Twins are very near a wild card uh, uh, spot. Uh, it is coming down to the Twins, the Yankees, and the Astros in the American League for the two. Uh, wild card playoff spots, and when I say Astros, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, they are now in the American League, and uh, they were doormats in the National League for so long. They just kept accumulating high draft picks and restocked their farm system, and all those kids played together. That's one of the cool things about doing it, being crappy, is you get your second round pick is is in essence a, a late first round pick. You know, there's not a great deal of difference. Now it's who needs what. So a guy could have gone in the in, in the first round. You get him in the second. So you damn near get two of everything as you go down. You know, you're you're, you're amplified. So when you do that back to back to back years, those kids are all in the minors at the same time, and they learn how to play with each other, and to and and, and what the other guy's going to do. So when they move them up, as the Mets did this year. They gutted the 51s. Mets are going to be in the playoffs. That's what it's about. That's what the farm system's for. So unless they make some changes or something like that, we got to see great baseball here in Las Vegas. Congratulations to the 51s. They got burned for the playoffs simply because the Mets took what was, in essence, the very one of the very, if not the very best, triple-A teams and said, we need – these extra 15 guys on our roster, and I think they only took a couple from double-A, and everybody else really came from the, the, the 51s. And uh, so it left the 51s wanting in that last in that last little bit, but we got to see them the whole season. And, and uh, boy, the Mets are loaded. And, but that's because they were crappy, and they, got the, they kept these guys together by trades and didn't, didn't trade away their, their, the nucleus of what they have. Now, uh, you know, they're going to be something to be reckoned with. And I told you early on, the Cubs, when, when Joe Madden took over, I told you this spring, Mark, when we did the Major League uh, uh, weekend here in March, that the Cubs had a different attitude. And the couple Cubs that I talked to about it, I said, what's the difference this year? And the guy said, the guy said well, you know, well, everything's different. He said the clubhouse is different. Our, our batting practice is different. And he meant the intensity. He meant the, the no, more, no, no more of this lovable losers crap. And the Cubs, the Cubs with Chris Bryant, uh, I think a shoe in for the National League Rookie of the Year, Las Vegas Chris Bryant, um, uh, and Rizzo and a, and, a, and a bunch of other guys, and they got some pitching that's uh, that's timely, and they have a, a bullpen that's that's effective. The Cubs are going to be in the playoffs, and so are the Mets, and we we got to see them both here in Vegas, and that's and that's really cool. Uh, the Pirates, as I said earlier, clinched a clinched a spot in the playoffs already. But it looks like to me that that's who's going to make it. Uh, to me, the the AL, the Blue Jays, are up three and a half, 
And just before they got uh, Troy Tulowitzki and, and David Price on July 31st, the trade deadline, and it was a it was within a couple days of that they picked up bo- both Troy Tulowitzki from Colorado and David Price uh, came up from uh, uh, Tampa, I believe. Um, they uh, or maybe Detroit. Uh, anyhow, uh, the the Blue Jays were six games behind the Yankees, and I said this is going to Troy Tulowitzki is going to change that, and I was sure that David Price has had a serviceable, serviceable arm. I didn't realize he was going to be as good as he's been. I mean, just a steady rock right there in that look in, in their rotation. But they were six games behind at that trade. Now you're talking month and a half, little, little more than a month and a half ago. Now they're three and a half up. They're going to win. They're, they are favored to win the World Series. So – Everybody that's going to, you know, and a whole bunch of teams made trades at the trade deadline, and this one is the one that's going to work out if they go ahead and win the World Series. Everybody else did it for not, so I don't know if that's a that's a big thing, but people are going to look to that, to that success and make trades next year, too, hoping that they pick up that one guy or those two guys that change things. And Tulowitzki went in, and, and he's a hell of a leader. And he was a leader for the Rockies, and he, you know, he, got, he did get to play in a World Series with them, and they had no chance of winning. And the Red Sox handed it to him, and they haven't been good since. And Tulowitzki spent a lot of good years trying to make the Colorado Rockies better. Evidence of that is he went to he went to the Toronto Blue Jays, a team that was one player away, and he was that one player. And he changed their attitude in the clubhouse, just as Joe Madden has done with the, with the Mets. Sometimes it's a manager, sometimes it's a player, sometimes it's a combination. Whatever it is, it's working, and it's working for the Cubs, and it's working for the Blue Jays, and I think it'll work for other teams. But in the American League. The Blue Jays are up three and a half, and uh, the Yankees and Astros and the Twins all fighting for that wild card spot. Uh, Kansas City uh, is is going to win the Central, and the Texas Rangers kind of come out of nowhere and look like they're going to they're going to walk away with it in the West. Uh, in in the East, the Mets, the Masons, the Mets, M E T S, Mets, 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 are six and a half games up with ten to play. And uh, uh, ten or twelve, something like that. So they're uh, the, the the Mets are going to win the East. Uh, St. Louis is 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 up. Uh, Pittsburgh and the Cubs look like the two wild card teams in in the National League. And uh, the Dodgers are up seven <laughs> over the Giants. Let me say that again: the Dodgers are seven games ahead of the Giants. And we don't want to hear that. Giants win the pennant. We're tired of the Giants. <laughs> so. The Dodgers uh, and Zach Greinke going to miss a, a, a turn in the rotation. Uh, sometimes just a rest, give guy a day off. You know, everybody likes a day off now and again. And Greinke just rests his arm up. They know they're in the playoffs comfortably. So, uh, but anyway, that's how the baseball playoffs seem to be lining up. Mark, uh, uh, it's unfortunate when you look at the Twins, the Yankees, and the Astros. One of those three is not even going to make the playoffs. Of, of the remaining two. One of them's not going to get to play more than one game. So of those three teams, two of them are going to share one one game experience, and one, the winner of that one game, that that uh, wild card playoff play in game, I guess we should call it, is going to move on and, and then play. It will, as it looks now, it will be the Blue Jays that they will meet in that first round, and they they do the seeding thing and, and and whatever. The stupid part of this whole deal, Mark. Is that the who won the who won the uh, uh, the major league all star game? Do you remember? No. Ah, no, nobody else does either, except when it comes to the World Series. And now, okay, we're going to give home field advantage to the team whose league won the major league all star game. All right, good. But why don't you do it with the real game? They play interleague games. That used to be the mystique of the World Series. Is the only time uh, an American League team and a, and a National League team met was in the World Series. So the Dodgers and the and the Yankees could only meet in the World Series, and now they have the interleague play, and every team plays every other team within, I guess, three or four years. Every team has has had a home and home with with every other team in the in both leagues. So um, it just doesn't. It, it just took some some of the mystique out of it. But uh, they play these interleague games, and honest to God, the Rockies suck. And that you know, I mean, you 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 just look at. Wow, why don't they schedule the interleague games towards the last couple of weeks of the season and have them mean something and say, okay, we're going to take the winner of the, of the All-Star game 
and whichever league wins the percentage has the best winning percentage against the other league, which means all the teams in the league, including those that are going to benefit by having home field advantage, and those that just have league pride. Whether you're out of the whether you're out of the hunt, you know, uh, two months ago, uh, I think the Rockies were eliminated like six weeks ago, mathematically eliminated from having a shot. Um, They've been realistically eliminated for a long time. Anyway, you can have a meaningful game. You could have in the last couple days of the season or the last day of the season, if you want it, two very, very rotten teams playing for something. And you have your youngsters up. Your rosters have expanded to 40, so you've got young guys up. And they get some of that playoff experience by saying, our league will get the home field advantage if we beat the lousy Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, in, in this meaningless game in late September, early October, uh, and and there's something riding on it. And I think baseball deserves that. And I think it's a sham that they have only the World Series winner. I mean, the, the, the World Series home field advantage predicated upon who what, what league won the All-Star game, which is a beauty contest. And, you know, until the last inning or two, nobody can, nobody really, you know, managers aren't there saying, well, let me see, I got a left-handed reliever and a right-handed guy coming up. And they, all right, who's next? Until yeah. the, the very last, you know, three or four years ago, they had a, they had a tie. They ran out of players. And now instead of having like the little league do a re-entry rule, okay, if you're running low on players, you can let this guy back in and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, they didn't have that. And so it ended in a tie. And that's how they came to this, let's make it meaningful. We'll have it uh, be the reason that you get the home field advantage in the World Series. And I and I think they have two league versus league things that they should use, and they use the BS one. They use the nonsense game one where they could use the uh, – um, uh, the the interleague play all during the year, and if those two are different, then they could flip a coin for it, or or, or I don't know, maybe head to head because they will probably have played. If not, flip a coin, you know, have a race. Let the two, you know, the the ugliest guys in the league fight each other in a. I don't know. They could do something better than what they've got going, but um, uh, hockey is already uh, doing their preseason games. Uh, the NHL uh, season that runs till midsummer is about to commence, and uh, Las Vegas still does not officially have an NHL team, although we now have an arena with no parking, but, uh, but that's, that's beside the point. I'm, <laughs> I saw a guy waste half a tank of gas the other day at Walmart driving around, around and around and around. I thought it was out at the Speedway, and he was waiting for a, a, a parking place up close. Yeah. Now, he passed... He passed 20 of them that were four or five <laughs> parking places away. But he did. The, by the way, speaking of going round and round and round, what are you doing Saturday night, Mark? I, th- I think I'm going I th- I to watch some trucks go around and around and around and around. Where would you be doing that at? Well, we've got that little little track out, 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 out north here next, next to Nellis. And, uh, you know, they, Is that place still open? <laughs> NASCAR, baby, NASCAR. Craftsman Truck Races, man. CTS, Craftsman, Craftsman Truck Series. And uh, this is the guys. This is the minor leagues. There's no question about it. Very rarely do the cup guys come down and run the trucks. Once in a great while, Kyle Busch will show up and win a race. Uh, you know, sponsorship being what it is. Yep. Uh, but it's good for these guys, and I think anybody that says that's not good experience for these cats has never has never competed athletically before. Because you don't get better playing against somebody your own of your own abilities. You only get better by by going against somebody who's got more more abilities, more talent, or at least uh, more experience, and you and you feed off of that and you learn from that. And so when the Cup guys come down to the Xfinity series, some people bitch. And they, they alleviated some of it by saying you, can, you can't you can run for both titles. You can either run for the cup title or you can run for the Xfinity title, but you can't do both. So there's going to be a, a, a separate champion from both. And it also from the truck, some of the Xfinity guys come down because it's money. I mean, the, the, this is this is not a, a sport that makes men rich. It makes it takes rich men to play it. Yes. And. And so there's there's a lot of money, and so when there's money to be won, and, and you have the same crew and the same engines and all that stuff, and you switch out bodies, and there's not a tremendous amount of difference 
in what's underneath that truck and what's underneath a an Xfinity car or a, or a cup car or whatever. Pretty much the same same things. Body body styles different and aerodynamics. Obviously, you know there are some differences, but for the most part, they're things that go fast in circles. And uh, every once in a while, they get them on a road course and see this is this is what the <laughs> this is what the old the old guys just do to get away from the revenueers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a whole load of moonshine, Junior Johnson style. And uh, um, anyhow, uh, the, the truck series. Yellow. Yeah, these these are kids that are out there trying, man, and they're they're wanting to make that next level. And uh, it's a, a night race here in Vegas. You know the weather's going to be perfect. Yes. They're expecting, from what I understand, they're expecting 80 degrees at, at the start of the race. At the green flag for the race, they're expecting to be 80 degrees. And if it's any more comfortable than that, I don't know what it is. I got, you know, if I set my air conditioner at 80 degrees, I'm, I'm damn comfortable all day long. And it's going to be 80 degrees out there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Tickets are available uh, 702-644-4444. You just 7026 and then start dialing force. That's and somebody right. says hello, stop dialing force. That's all you have to do. And uh, tickets are available. You can go to uh, lvms.com. But we will be out there, Mark, and I think it's going to be an interesting race. Uh, we're coming down to the, the nitty-gritty for the championship. And uh, Matt Crafton up there and, and, and several guys that you're gonna, you are going to see, uh, hopefully, at least they hope, uh, certainly in the Xfinity Series, if they stick around, uh, Eric Jones, uh, several of these guys move up and uh, back and forth between those two, and then then they take the next big step up. Uh, Chase Elliott uh, drove the trucks. You know, all the guys, uh, the Dillons, uh, several of them get there, get there, rolling up through the through the trucks. And we hope uh, we hope Brendan Gaughan's going to come race the trucks because there's you know, there's not many more exciting drivers in in NASCAR, and I don't care what series it is than Brendan Gaughan. <laughs> You got maybe that. it's that maybe it's that Vegas that Bishop Gorman thing from Vegas. <laughs> Brennan sees walls as just a as just a somewhat of an you know not a major impediment. Just okay, I'm gonna I can bounce off it and make my move this way. So you know you, you see a you, maybe it is something in the air here or in the water, but but you look at you look at Kyle Busch and Brennan Gunn and even Kurt Busch, who who does some pretty wild things, and I guess we could take Kevin Harvick. You know, from uh, from Bakersfield, if we get to claim him, you know, that's close enough for a couple hundred miles. That's right. Uh, anyhow, they, they 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 all seem to have their own their own little driving style that's a little more uh, uh, less laid back than yeah, than other that's places. A good way to you know, so yeah, okay. Uh, did you see Harvick uh, push Jimmy Johnson? Yeah. Joey Logano they hit Johnson and 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 you know you got you, people say well he ran into him yes they were going 180 miles an hour and he ran into him darn somebody bumped him in his door I would still be rolling over or in the in the in the ICU you know what I mean and, and he saved it and he the fact that he saved it off of Kevin Harvick's car uh, certainly wasn't going to make Harvick happy but I don't think Jimmy Johnson had a whole hell of a lot to do with how that came about and i don't think logano did a great deal wrong you know it just it just happened to be and and i i don't know if kevin harvick had a chance to get it to to avoid it but it cut his tire and and that and that pretty much uh you know if, if he comes back and wins the championship or defends his championship now it's going to be one of the greatest stories ever in nascar simply because of how the playoffs are set up and if it wasn't for clint boyer screwing up in his team Kevin Harvick could be last in line, but Clint Boyer and uh, his team got a 25-point penalty. The drivers, uh, the owners' points was 25 points, which is totally meaningless now that, that they're not going to have a Michael Waltrip racing anymore, so next year it won't bother them at all where they finished this year in the standings. Uh, so it's kind of a meaningless thing. Uh, big money and whatever for, for not passing inspection or doing something on the I think it was the the wheel, the the quarter panel near the wheel, whatever they did. It's it, they've done it before, and they they got like eighteen things that they go to NASCAR dot com and you can read the story. It's somewhat technical, but uh, Boyer now in sixteenth and literally has no chance of winning. Harvick has a little better chance than that. Twenty five points is a huge hit. You have to beat everybody else by twenty five positions. All the time, from here on out, until you catch up, and then the guys that have already scored some, you got, you know, what I mean, it's virtually impossible. Well, they're going to cut to twelve 
Mm, okay. Number 12. Okay. You know, I guess there's always Hail Mary and uh, and maybe a meteorite strike on the backstretch or something. <laughs> but that's about and then, it. You know. and, then, and then in December, we've got NASCAR banquet and the and the and then the top guys do the strip. They light up the strip. You know, one of my favorite parts, Mark, is downtown on Fremont Street when they walk the red carpet down there. Oh man, and they interact with the fans. Hey, you know, you you watch what's going on with the Pope. It's damn near the same thing. People will hand their children to strangers to get them up by Jimmy Johnson or Kyle Busch or Jeff Gordon or whomever it is. They just literally, man, Dale Earnhardt. He could autograph any female auto body part that he would offer to if some if he said i got a sharpie here and i'm willing to sign the next cute right ass cheek you would see <laughs> you know it would look nothing like nothing but bald monks down in prayer and uh, some of them might, and, and a couple of them might even be a woman <laughs> oh yeah yeah there's there's certainly no 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 lack of of volunteers have you been down on fremont street lately i try not to I went yesterday. I, I had something That's to do, and I, I had a layover to catch my bus, and it picks up right there around the corner. And so I walked down Fremont Street, and there's three males. I cannot call them gentlemen. Who are out there in G-strings and some of the most obscene. God, it's obscene because of what it is in the first place, and you're out over in the public. But this guy makes me look svelte. And he's got on bunny ears, Playboy bunny ears, and pasties, and a and a uh, suspended G. Oh gosh, disgusting! you know me, Mark. When it disgusts me, <laughs> we have probably crossed a line that will cross yes. down near everybody else's line before you get to my line. And my line was crossed. And they've, uh, God bless our city council, and and oh, they agree with you. Our legal department that have that have worked feverishly to get this done with this ordinance, and and they're going to uh, then they've worked with the ACLU, and uh, God bless, they realize that you know other people have rights too, and uh, so uh, they've worked on this ordinance, and I hope it works because it is literally disgusting down there, uh, uh, and a place that can be used for like I say when when NASCAR when Champions Week comes in and those guys walk the red carpet down down Fremont Street, it is magical. It it is I don't know rock stars or whatever I've been in I've been in some pretty big groups I, I you know I was uh, I put on a press conference I, uh, I set it up in Colorado when uh, when uh, Oscar De La Hoya was rolling and he was gonna he was gonna fight uh, uh, Hector Camacho the late great uh, Macho Man Hector Camacho and we put the I, I had to set up the uh, the press conference there and. When Oscar De, when Camacho spoke, people clapped, and they, they, you know a couple people asked for autographs. Uh, uh, Lee Samuels from from Top Rank spoke. Uh, uh, a couple other dignitaries type spoke, and then Oscar De La Hoya went to the dais, and I mean it was pandemonium. They rushed the dais, and this little kid was crushed. These there there were ten people deep. And this little kid was crushed, and I, I was up on there and with Lee Samuels, and I had to straddle. We were at the uh, Sheraton, and I had to straddle from the front edge to a window to keep people from getting to Oscar from behind. And I'm a big guy, Mark, and I was, I mean, I had bruises on my legs from people trying to push past me to get, and this guy says, I'm trying to get to Oscar. I said, I know what the hell you're trying to do, you know, and I look over, and this little kid was literally turning blue. And he was crushed up against that dais. And I said, Lee. <laughs> and, and Lee Samuels looked up. And I pointed to this little kid. And you could just see both of us were like, uh-oh. You know. And I, I, I took my hand. And I pushed on this. I pushed on this baby. Probably touched her politically incorrectly. And pushed on her to give Lee enough, enough room to pull this kid up by the scruff of his neck. And set him down behind Oscar De La Hoya. And the kid never so much as looked at Oscar's shoes. He was happy to be alive. He was <laughs> this far from Oscar De La Hoya, who he damn near paid for his life with. And he was just <sighs> like that. And, and finally, when he stood up, Oscar was done. And he moved on. And, I, uh, you know, 
but it was scary. But that's a, that's as close as I've ever been to that kind of pandemonium. And I'm telling you what, they do a great job downtown with with uh, all the people that work security and and, and the hotels and, and the casinos and all that down there work in such good order to keep order because it could be pandemonium like that with the NASCAR drivers. Because I'm telling you, you when you when Dale Earnhardt Jr. starts walking down that red carpet. You can hear for the two blocks that you are away, Dale, 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 and they're everything out there to get autographed, it. And, and the guys are great in doing it. I mean, they take a long time walking down there, and they sign a lot of autographs and, you know, and take pictures, and now everybody's got their selfies, and, and, and they want that, so... Uh, but uh, but Fremont Street is is a change, and, and I think it's a change for the better. They're going to restrict the, the performers down there. So if it's something that's kept you away from down there, and it certainly would keep me away if I was a family yep. man and I had my, my wife and kids with me, uh, we can go see you know guys that are 90% naked and, and should be 90% covered uh, down on Fremont Street, or we can go to the Strip, or we can go to Circus Circus, or we can go, you know, there's other options. So I think they've taken a, a good step in the right direction, and at least getting it under control and saying, okay, let's, you know, this is a business, and you're affecting other people's businesses adversely, and so you're, you know, when your rights, when your freedoms <laughs> encroach on somebody else's freedoms, then somebody has to make a judgment, and I think they use good judgment. So, all, all right. right. Uh, Blue Jays are rolling. Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra, God bless. Uh, rest in peace. Cam Chancellor back with the Seahawks. Yeehaw. Patrick Kane, that odd, odd thing. We'll keep you updated on that with the rape kit that now empty and found on the victim's mother's doorstep. And the Pro Bowl Riders coming here in October. J.B. Mooney up on top. Airtime. Man, that black and white bull does get some airtime. What a very appropriately named animal. All right, you ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. All right. For Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen. Thanks for listening right here on Good Sports. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.